0: Welcome to another episode of Grid Forward Chats, a podcast series with industry leaders on what lies ahead for our electric grid. These podcasts are hosted by Grid Forward Executive Director Bryce Yonker.
1: Today we have with us Stefan Bird. Stefan is President and CEO of Pacific Power, part of Pacific Core and the Berkshire Hathaway Energy set of companies. Stefan, thanks for being on today. Glad to be here. Thank you, Bryce. So, Stefan, uh, maybe you can help. With uh, a bit of an understanding of how Pacific Corp fits into, you know, the overall picture of, of Berkshire Hathaway uh, energy companies, and a bit of your role there.
2: Well, I'll start with Pacific Corp. You know, I'm proud to be uh, alongside 5,000 employees that comprise Pacific Corp, a 110-year-old company that was founded uh, when four communities across Washington, Oregon saw that they could accomplish more together than on their own, and. Uh, that uh, that start to our company has really paid off in spades. And I think in the current environment, with uh, the issues of resilience and pandemics and earthquakes and all sorts of issues, uh, we're stronger than ever. And uh, being part of Berkshire Hathaway is also a great advantage as we're expanding dramatically into the renewable space and transmission that's needed to integrate and access those low-cost renewables and having a a financial owner like Berkshire that's willing to take a long term view. We've been making a few big bets uh, in the last few years uh, and delivering really unprecedented value to our customers. So it's uh, extraordinary and exciting time to be a part of the energy sector and couldn't be uh, feeling more advantaged being a part of Pacific Corp and, and Berkshire Hathaway.
1: Well, today is July 23rd. Uh, many of us across the country, including here in Oregon, where both you and I are, uh, are in some kind of a partial economic shutdown as we deal deal through, you know, four and a half months plus of the pandemic. Uh, before we really dive in, you know, how are you, how uh, how are the folks at the, at the company they're doing?
2: Well, I have to say that even in the face of a pandemic and extreme weather and social unrest, even an earthquake uh, that hit Salt Lake City right as the pandemic uh, opened, uh, our company has stepped to the plate and, and ensure that our customers are getting what they need from us, uh, an essential service uh, with reliable, uh, low-cost power. And uh, you know, really, despite the bulk of us working from home, uh, notwithstanding our frontline folks who really have had no change, uh, notwithstanding they're operating a little differently as we all are with uh, you know, masks and social distancing and uh, you know, extra sanitation and so forth. Proud to say, they've uh, stepped up in in every scenario and met our mission. So, um, you know, we remain committed to that. And and frankly, even through this pandemic, uh, we have found some silver linings, some opportunities to actually outperform. And uh, happy to chat about that as we uh, have this opportunity today.
1: Well, Stefan, I had the chance to thank uh, your colleague, Maria, who heads up uh, the neighboring utility in Portland here, uh, where I get my, my uh, energy delivered. But even though I'm not a customer, I'll thank you on the behalf of, of customers uh, across the city here and across the region uh, for such amazing work uh, in keeping the resiliency and the reliability of the grid up during these most, most unique times.
2: Well, thank you. And uh, I have to give a lot of credit to our colleagues in the industry. And and, uh, we're obviously connected with Portland General and a number of utilities across the West. Uh, You know, our unique position is we touch 10 states uh, with our grid. Uh, We are regulated by six different commissions and serve two million customers across uh, six states. So we can't do what we do without uh, really intense collaboration and cooperation across that very diverse and abundant landscape. And it's really that advantage that is uh, uh, what's enabling us to deliver that low cost, reliable power today. Well,
1: your service territory footprint comment bridges right into my question. Pacific Corp, just even that operating utility is a rather large IOU. Um, You guys serve some more dense urban areas in Portland and Salt Lake, but you know, wide amounts of more rural and and uh, less densely populated communities uh, across the region. How does the size and structure of the organization guide the work and direction um, of the
2: utility? Well, it's really that duality of on one hand, we have, you know, tremendous scale, which in uh, a world that you're trying to leverage diversity, having technology that can access that diversity, uh, and deploy it to our customers' benefit is really key. Uh, but it's really that last mile. It's those customers in 243 communities across the, just the Pacific Power states on the west side that uh, you know engaging with them directly to meet their needs is uh, really our great opportunity. Leveraging that big system, but certainly during these times, and we've redirected you know a lot of our foundation dollars directly to folks to help them through uh, the COVID. Uh, issues, flexible payment plans, and moratoriums on disconnects and late fees. I think that's uh, over three million dollars that we've waived uh, just uh, year to date. But all those things are critical to help uh, folks get through this time and and uh, support them as they continue. I've got kids like a lot of our customers, and. Uh, you know, working through distance learning and all that, I mean, it's challenging. I mean, for me personally, being at home, watching my wife uh, tackle that uh, through the last part of uh, the school year. And, you know, as we get prepared for this year, how do we work with our employees to ensure that we can do what we need to do and uh, accommodate their needs as well as uh, ensure that we're delivering for all of our customers is critical.
1: You know, taking care of customers is, you know, a very unique, in, in different situation than it was five months ago. What kind of impact are you seeing for your customers, your residential customers, your, your commercial and your industrial clients? How are they being impacted right now?
2: Yeah, I think at a high level, we see what a lot of utilities across the country see, which is uh, increases in residential with more folks working at home, uh, declines certainly in the small commercial area hit very hard. And then depending on the industry, uh, some industries are actually up uh, moving a lot of packages and things like that these days and you know other industries hit uh, very hard. You think of the oil and gas arena out on the east side of our system uh, with low commodity prices, uh, production is uh, way down. But uh, you know all in, our load is relatively stable. Uh, we continue to see growth as we look ahead through our plan and to meet that growth as well as supply it with an entirely different technology is really the exciting stage that we're in. And uh, this year we're completing our Energy Vision 2020 plan, over $3 billion of investment in new transmission and renewables. And we're about to more than double that with the uh, IRP, RFP that just hit the street uh, a few weeks ago. And we'll be processing that uh, over the course of the next few months. So uh, extraordinary times and all of that new investment really has seen no, no deceleration. Everything is on track. You know, that is absolutely critical, again, to meeting that long-term sustainability for customer's, you know, low cost and increasingly clean and reliable power is the name of the game. And, you know, we're well positioned to uh, continue down that path and deliver it.
1: You mentioned the IRP. can you uh, talk a little bit about how the integrated resource plan um, and other strategic after efforts there maybe uh, have shifted focus of the organization in recent years it it, it sure seems like there's a, a major shift around some of the the big opportunities in renewables among some other things that you guys are are, are uh, looking to, to put in motion there
2: Certainly we're seeing a shift as a result of really market dynamics. I would say our core mission is unchanged. Even going back 110 years, our mission to deliver low cost, reliable, safe power, and now increasingly clean because of those advances in technology, uh, that whole game has changed. And so it's really been stunning uh, in the last few years to see the cost of uh, particularly renewables, uh, solar and wind come down to record low levels such that we can bring that on at such a low cost. Uh, In many cases, we're avoiding rate increases and we're delivering several hundred million dollars in savings. Uh, We pledged back in 2017 not to raise rates until at least this year and further if we could. Uh, We filed a settlement in Washington just a few days ago that uh, actually reduces rates. We hadn't had a case there in a few years and we're staying out with a rate reduction Uh, California, we'd reduced rates 10% after staying out of rates cases for nine years. Uh, So some really extraordinary opportunity to both invest at unprecedented levels in this new technology, integrate it, which would be impossible, uh, but for our ability to reach into the lowest cost renewable resources across the West. I mean, the best that that can be offered if it's wind in Wyoming or up in the Columbia River Gorge or hydroelectric resources, or solar in the Southwest, even Central Southern Oregon, all the way to Utah, uh, we can access it and integrate it. And that that's really the key, that transmission grid that I think even myself coming into the business uh, over 10 years ago, I would take those poles for granted. It looks simple, uh, but it's actually one of the most complex, fascinating machines on the on the planet. You know, it it was considered to be the most advanced technology achievement of the last century. And our opportunity now is to integrate and leverage by modernization uh, that technology to an even greater degree. So, you know, couldn't be happier to be part of Grid Forward and the work you do, Bryce, uh, with all of us. uh, We're really at this precipice of an extraordinary opportunity to uh, really lead the way and develop perhaps one of the world's most low cost, reliable, clean energy infrastructure systems uh, on the, in the world. So on on the topic of, you know, systems and modernization,
1: uh, there's a number of initiatives that you guys have put into motion in, in re- recent years. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, kind of some of the areas that you guys have in flight, uh, the sort of innovative system Uh, Components, the sort of modernization that you guys are putting into practice um, on on your grid.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the IRP and our uh, transition to renewable energy is certainly uh, a headliner. Um, You know, really extraordinary numbers. Our you know current RFP is seeking in the realm of six thousand megawatts, six gigawatts of new renewables and storage. Uh, So storage is a is a key new technology that we'll be investing in, but Uh, It's a great opportunity to speak to what I like to refer to as the free battery uh, that's really available in that diversity of the grid. Uh, We partnered a little over five years ago with the California ISO and created what's called the Energy Imbalance Market, or the EIM. Uh, Just this month, uh, we have achieved the $1 billion mark in customer savings uh, since that market was initiated with just Pacific Corp and the Cal ISO, followed by our affiliate, MV Energy, and then... I think we have close to 80% of the load serving entities across the West either in or committed to join by 2022, public power, private power, uh, munis, uh, the whole array. And it's really that cooperation across that wide landscape that's leveraging diversity when there's excess solar in California, we can import it into our system, back off our coal fleet or our natural gas fleet and get paid to do it. Uh, there's you know, just so much abundance of that uh, energy. You know, we avoid the cost of uh, burning fuel, avoid the emissions. And when you add all that up, we've saved, just for Pacific customers alone, $250 million in that time frame and cut our emissions 20 million tons. Uh, that's the same as taking 4 million cars off the road for a whole year.
0: Pardon this quick interruption. Do you like the in-depth interviews on Grid Forward Chats? Subscribe to our channel on Apple, Google, Spotify, or Podbean apps. That way, you don't miss a single chat. And learn more about Grid Forward at gridforward.org. Now, back to the show.
1: So on some of the maybe more project-based efforts, um, I know you guys are working through AMI in Oregon. There's some interesting frequency control stuff you've done. You have, I think it's 600 apartments connected to some batteries, uh, I believe, yeah. in, in Utah. Yeah, can you talk uh, about those or some of the other things that kind of are in in the
2: portfolio? Yeah, you bet. It's super cool stuff. I mean, just innovation uh, in so many fronts of our system, and and you mentioned a few of those. So our long held, uh, what we call Coolkeeper, our AC. A control uh, system where we give customers, uh, about 200,000 customers in Pacific Corp get a discount on their bill by enabling us to alter their thermostat uh, for a short period of time under certain conditions. Uh, so for years, we would exercise that periodically. Uh, it had some benefit of shaving that peak load, but two years ago, we automated it, and it's now a high speed within seconds we can instantaneously turn that on we never operate it now more than just a few minutes but we were the first in the country to use that for frequency response so that's a wonky thing in our industry that's required in order to maintain reliability on the large scale and avoid blackouts Uh, but this is a great example of using customer collaboration as opposed to a big mechanical coal plant or natural gas plant to provide uh, that core grid service. And so that's really an, a great example of the opportunity we have to link demand-side type operations and other technologies on a big scale, which will help accelerate that uh, adoption uh, because it can be monetized. You, know, you mentioned AMI. We deployed that uh, about a year ago across uh, Oregon and California. Our customers now get real-time information that tell them how much energy they used every hour, every fifteen minutes, uh, and that can educate them to conserve. You know, at times when they uh, can mitigate their bill, which you know, this time of year in particular, uh, you know, with higher temperatures, that's a, a great advantage. It also gives us better ability to plan uh, and provides other key insights to things like distribution automation. And Devils Lake out towards the coast, uh, we automated a system that you know now can restore automatically uh, a pretty large network of customers on that circuit uh, within a few minutes, as opposed to waiting for a lineman to show up with a truck and fix that system, let's say within a few hours. Uh, and so it's those sorts of things that we're doing, you know, across our system. That's uh, very exciting.
1: Do you see any of these distribution automation, demand side programs or telemetry of various um, you know, monitoring, do you see them scaling further across operating elements of either Pacific core, um, or even beyond within to the wider Berkshire companies? Are you seeing other things that other Berkshire companies are doing that you guys haven't yet done that you may be doing?
2: Yeah, you know, we collaborate a lot. It's, it is one advantage of being part of a, a large holding company that owns several utilities in the UK and Canada and the United States. Uh, We learn a lot from each other. You know, our utility in Iowa will be probably the first utility in the country to achieve 100% renewable uh, supply equivalent to their load. Uh, And that's a similar story to ours, where they have access to very low-cost wind. They can integrate it in a very large market called the MISO uh, that crosses 13 states. And so a very similar story and opportunity. And, And that certainly educated us as we leaned into the EIM. You know, our sister utility uh, in Nevada that we're connected to is a key part of the EIM has helped generate savings for their customers, as well as ours, uh, leaning very heavily into solar and batteries, uh, even announcements just this last week, uh, and working with large customers. We all serve uh, large communities, as well as large corporates that, in some cases, want to be 100% renewable today. Uh, In order for them to grow and bring jobs and economic development to our communities. And that's been a very exciting area. I mean, we're, you know, just under a gigawatt of supply just for those types of customers. uh, at again, unprecedented cost levels uh, that we're able to bring on board. You know, I think the Wasatch Front battery unit uh, deployment, you mentioned 600 units, a battery storage device in every single apartment, a partnership with that developer. I think the first of its kind of that scale in the country, you know, we're able to operate that and again, provide grid services system wide. But, you know, artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning, wildfire mitigation in particular, both at BHE as well as across the industry, I know you met earlier today with uh, Carl Imhoff from Pacific Northwest National Labs, and uh, he also co-chairs the Grid Modernization Laboratory Consortium, and it's a new partnership. Yeah, you know, I'd love to maybe dive into that. Uh, some very exciting opportunities there to leverage the really military-grade capability of the DOE uh, to help advance and provide a more secure and resilient grid. Yeah, let's let's get into the resiliency topic a little bit. So that you know,
1: issue was at the headlines of the industry over the last few years, whether it's been wildfires in the West or, or regular storms, uh, you know, the significant uh, preparation for Cascadia subduction earthquake zone, West of the Cascades, all the cyber issues, you know, now we're living through a pandemic. What does the toolkit of preparation at Pacific core look like around resiliency and maybe how has that been adjusted here in, in recent months?
2: Yeah, well we've I mentioned early on, we've had the opportunity, fortunately, to actually test ourselves. You know, we spend a lot of time drilling within BHE and within Pacific Corp. You know, and again an advantage given our scale, we drill the ability to instantaneously swap operations from Salt Lake or Portland and keep our entire system running. And we had the opportunity to deploy that At the beginning of the pandemic, when there was a 5.7 earthquake in Salt Lake that took out 75,000 customers, we instantaneously shifted our call center operations, our dispatch operations to Portland, seamlessly, immediately deployed personnel, were able to respond immediately to customers, uh, get everything up and running within a few hours, and uh, uh, restore service. So great example of our ability even today uh, to... Deliver that that critical reliability. I think wildfires, you mentioned, uh, you know, just some unacceptable circumstances in the West that we have to prevent. Uh, you know, we rely on the grid to provide this essential service, and and it must be protected. Uh, so we're investing in a number of areas that I mentioned earlier. I would maybe jump to the partnership that's new at an industry level, the Edison Electric Institute, uh, which we're part of. Uh, joined uh, a number of entities, you know, our CEO of Brookshire Athlete Energy is on that steering committee that leads on the cybersecurity front uh, and has something that's called the ESCC or the Electricity Subsector Coordinating Council. That's a liaison with, you know, Department of Homeland Security and, you know, a number of other the federal agencies to move on cybersecurity at a much more aggressive level. And that's been a terrific uh, success uh, thus far. It's something we have to continue to work on. We just recently in January created a very similar work group uh, underneath that ESCC just for wildfire. And so I participate uh, on that and focus in particular on the technology opportunity with the DOE. And there we're working on some pilot projects at this stage that, uh, for example, would give us much more situational awareness Uh The DOE has five of the fastest uh, supercomputers that exist in the world uh, and utilizing that capability and speed to access a lot of data and give us insight as to where the risks are, as well as even within a circuit uh, to identify if there's an issue so we can fix it before it becomes a problem and even possibly shut it down faster. Uh, All of those types of technologies uh, we're testing and uh, I think that's very promising as we look ahead uh, over the next few years.
1: And where where are those uh, efforts at? Are they at a feasibility level? Or are they at an early test level? Or are they are they prepped to be more commercially accelerated? Wh- wh- where are they at? Yeah,
2: you know, I'd say they're early level, but they're actual pilot projects being deployed uh, in a commercial environment. You know, so whether or not they will be economic. Uh, you know, that's not the stage we're at in judging. We're testing the technology to ensure that it can be deployed. And like a lot of things we've seen, when you start deploying on a larger scale, you can bring those costs down, you know, very rapidly. Um, But uh, we are partnered with the DOE and and a couple of labs and on some specific projects. Uh, The California utilities are engaged in others. It's, again, one of those industry partnerships uh, where we're testing things locally, but uh, we've been working with universities for years, Texas A&M to universities here in the West Coast states and in Utah, and uh, bringing even that technology together and research uh, along with the labs is part of what we're doing as well.
1: And are those tests touching uh, many parts of, of Western grid operators, or is it a kind of a select few right now?
2: The, the pilots are a select few right now, but again, if they're successful, you know, they're very promising in terms of reducing risk and again, increasing resiliency and that that's very promising. It's a partnership we frankly haven't had in the past. You know, the DOE has worked uh, for many years on, uh, you know, R and D that uh, uh, they would partner with, with different entities, but never in this coordinated level, you know, elevated at the highest level of our industry, uh, and engaged with that kind of uh, intensity. You know, Maria Pope, uh, my colleague at Portland General, is heading up an effort where we're getting together just here in a few days uh, to again talk about how we can provide mutual assistance in a better way. You know, to each other as uh, we tackle these issues together. So I'm going to try a question. We've tried one or two other times.
1: So we call this kind of a rapid fire format. So I'm going to say a phrase. And if you don't mind, respond with either a single word, a single phrase, a very, very brief explanation if you want to. And we're just going to run through a bunch of these. So if you're ready, uh, we'll, do, we'll do our rapid fire question. Shoot. All right. So here we go. Uh, renewable energy commitments. Pacific Corp is
2: all in. Distributed energy resources. Scale matters. Yeah. To achieve bottom line and bigger picture results. Transmission capacity. It's the challenge of our day. Absolutely critical.
1: Grid analytics.
2: Understanding the expanse of the grid drives much more enduring solutions. Thank you, I am. Consumer
1: interest in energy.
2: Smart homes and curious energy consumers go together. Uh, We're seeing smart technologies projected at 52%, I think, within a few years. System flexibility. Emphasis on system. It means everybody can benefit from the West's abundance of renewables. Cybersecurity threats. Undeniably real, top priority. Utility culture. Diversity matters, you know, both in our resource mix and in our culture.
1: You know, the structure of the utility landscape. Um, when you think about how rapidly things have progressed and their trajectory at where they're going, are there some areas of, you know, Pacific core or just kind of the utility, the utility role in general that, that you see evolving over, over the short to midterm here?
2: We've talked a lot about technology and it's very exciting. I'm an engineer, so I can geek out on all this cool technology and the impact it's having is quite dramatic. Um, but I think the new challenge for industry that's been, uh, you know, a monopoly for a hundred years uh, in the U.S. You know, I think the the new focus for a lot of us, certainly for us at Pacific Power and Pacific Corp, is really changing our whole engagement with our customers and you know reconnecting and leaning into that uh, reality. You know, our customers now have choices. Uh, you know, they can put up you know solar rooftop uh you know some are industrials and not too distant past might consider other generation sources you know there's other models that get kicked around from time to time and so we take all that competition if you will seriously and believe that for us to have a long-term sustainable business you know we have to more than meet our customers we've got to exceed their expectations and uh, you know, We all do surveys and get feedback from our customers, and for years we have scored exceedingly well in terms of our large customers, but the missing piece has been those you know, other 1.9 million residential customers that now with digital technology, you know, we're getting a new opportunity to connect to them in new ways and provide new services or connect them to those that can provide services, and that's very exciting. Uh, and I believe that's going to be critical for all of us in the industry to really lean in and figure out new and better ways uh, to connect and make a difference for our customers and for our communities that we have, you know, partnered with in so many ways for years. You know, we we have historically been that entity that likes to just be under the radar, don't like to promote herself, uh, but now we have to step up in a different way and engage uh, very directly. And uh, so I get the opportunity to engage in a number of you know, other nonprofit boards that uh, uh, you can see the huge difference that these folks make. And, and that's a real privilege to have that opportunity as well.
1: Stephen, thank you for being on. Uh, great to see all the work that Pacific Core and all of your sister organizations are doing across the industry. We uh, appreciate you taking some time to be with us. Thank you very much, Bryce.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Grid Forward Chats our podcast series with industry leaders on what's driving grid modernization ahead. Check out our website at gridforward.org to learn more about our podcasts, virtual events, becoming a member, and our mission to promote grid innovation and accelerate modernization across our region.